Welcome to the Millennial Falcon, a pop culture podcast by three geeky millennials. My name is Hoi Chen Bui. I'm a writer for Slash Film and a pop culture journalist in New York. And I'm joined by my two co-hosts. I am Anya Crittenton, a writer at Gay Star News. And I'm Willoughby Dobbs, a filmmaker in the D.C. area. Spider-Man, Spider-Man, does whatever a spider can. Spins a web any size. Catches thieves just like flies. Look out! Here comes the Spider-Man. So we're talking about Batman today. <laughs> um, just kidding, guys. We're talking. We're talking Spidey. We're spider talking. Mr. Spiderman. We're spinning, we're spinning a web of our own. Just talking about uh, Spider-Man. A webcast, one would say. Um, <laughs> Um, we, so in honor of Spider-Man Fur From Home coming out this, in theaters this weekend, um, we're going to talk about Spider-Man because we haven't really done a general Spider-Man episode. We've talked about Spider-Verse. Um, we actually didn't review Spider-Man Homecoming on the podcast. I think we skipped that for another movie. Was it The Big Sick? I think it was The Big Sick. Um, that's unusual. And better choice. So, to be uh, so we're gonna we're gonna kind of talk about our general love of of the Peter boy, um, and then talk about like the films and the video game, and just sort of general spidiness. Um, first question: uh, organic web shooters or wrist web shooters? Uh, Anya, go. Uh, oh. I'm so torn on this because, like, I think wrist, like, mechanic is better. But, like, does does him getting... Sorry, now, now I'm just like, oh, why did you bring this up at the very beginning? Because this is like... Because, <laughs> like, okay, when Spider bites him, he obviously gets superpowers. Yeah. Now, can he create the webs himself? Does he have now the webs, like, within his own... Like, like skin, spider. his own like bloodstream or something. Just whatever a spider can. Then, I then I guess organic is better. Correct. I don't know. I was raised on the Sam Raimi Spider-Man movies, so I am always I always have a fondness for the organic spider web powers. Um, I understand the function of the mechanical Spider-Man uh, spider web because it allows him to run out of web and it creates a new problem that he has to now get over. And that's always a good storytelling, yeah, storytelling. like tool. But yeah. I always just I just love that organic part. It's kind of creepy. It's a little bit body horror esque. And uh, Stan Lee himself said, "Man, if I were creating Spider-Man back in my time, I knew that we could do." organic web shooters then i would have done it so i feel like it's something that feels very natural to the spider-man character and i will put my towel in for organic web shooters i'm gonna go i'm gonna go with you i'm gonna go with you on that one because also it's like when he gets bit by it if he gets powers like being able to like uh wall crawl and spidey senses and stuff and like other such powers like it would make sense that he would also have some sort of ability to produce web. And so I think that just makes sense. And also, like, if he can't, where does all his web come from? Well, he makes it, like, scientifically. Like, that's, that's Not a lot of work. Not in the new version, because... Well, actually, he does make it in the new version, but... Uh, we'll, yeah. we'll talk later about so, my, my issues with Tony Stark and, the, and his role in the new Spider-Man movies. But, well, let's go from the beginning. Right, Willoughby? Yes. And my answer is organic web shooters, because it just yeah. makes sense that uh, if you're given the, sp- the, the, the powers of a spider, why wouldn't you also be given the powers that, like, a spider is almost defined as, as in like spinning a web. Right. Um, but I, but I also understand the idea that Spider-Man was like, Oh, I have all these supernatural powers, but I can't actually spin a web. Let me just like artificially create that. And the web shooters were born. Um, and also, yeah, the, the drama of, oh, I'm out of web, but also in Spider-Man two, when he's out of web, because he has like, uh, 
like repressed his feelings for MJ and his friends and can no longer be Spider-Man and therefore he can't spin a web. Like that's always, that's dramatic as hell too. It's very like it's, 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 it's very psychosomatic. Um, Much better. Yeah. So yeah. So that leads us into the general topic of Spider-Man. Um, what do y'all think of, of our boy peter what what where how did what do you well, let me let me back this train up um what's the uh what's the first like spider-man media that you guys watched and like what's your relationship to spider-man um from like a young age if there is one so i will go first um because i think I, i've talked on this podcast before i'm a big comic fan i started reading comics as a kid um i really started with um X-Men, they were my first ever, like, superheroes that I got into, and I read Astonishing X-Men growing up. Um, and so I had always known, of course, I knew of Spider-Man. He occasionally popped up in some of their the X-Men, like, larger world stories. Um, and so I had seen him around and stuff, and I always thought Peter was, you know, pretty funny. Um, but he was never a character that I really dove into as a kid um, until the Sam Raimi Spider-Man film came along. That was my, like, my first, like, big memorable experience with Spider-Man and when I definitely saw the appeal of Spider-Man was like man Peter Parker is one cool nerd um and I think Spider-Man is great he's not like one of my top favorites I think he's a lot of fun um I really like the sprawling sort of spider verse hey in the Marvel universe with like Gwen, but also characters like Silk. Um, my favorite spider hero is Jessica Drew's Spider Woman. Um, so I like the whole spider team. Um, but Peter is not one of my like all time faves. Um, I would probably, you know, put like Jessica Drew, Miles Morales, Gwen Stacy above him. Um, as for media, here's my quick ranking of general Spider-Man universe media. This is not necessarily Peter Parker I'm ranking, but just like the general things of Spider-Man I've enjoyed the most. So it goes Sam Raimi films, Spider-Verse, the PS4 game, Tom Holland, Spider-Man, and all the various things he's been in. And then Andrew Garfield, Spider-Man, which we'll get into, but I will defend Andrew Garfield. I think he is a victim of his circumstances. His movies are bad, but he... He tried his best. <laughs> that's my that's my uh, defense. He too. delivered. He was a good a Spider-Man. Very good Spidey. He was a good Spidey. The rest, like w- what was around him, did not support him the way he should have been supported. Exactly. So that's my general Spider-Man history and love and opinions. What about you, HD? You you chimed in there with your Andrew Garfield take. We agree on that one. What about what else do you like about Spider-Man and? So for me, I was always a casual superhero fan up until the Sam Raimi Spider-Man movies. I had seen, you know, Batman Beyond and was a big fan of that. I had watched the Batman animated series, Justice League, Superman the animated series. Superman was actually first before Batman for me. I, I liked super, my Superboy because he was nice and happy. And Batman seemed like a villain to me because he was really scary. Um, so I watched all these things and, uh, oh, X-Men Evolution as well. And, oh, yes, uh, X-Men Evolution. Yeah. Right. Underrated. And, uh, Underrated. I'd, I'd seen the uh, X-Men movie. Um, was never really a diehard superhero fan until I watched Sam Raimi's Spider-Man. Yes. And that was the movie for me where things kind of clicked. I will say that um, I feel like there's, for every superhero fan, there is a comic book TV show, a movie where something clicks for them and they realize that this is what they're going to love for life. And that, and Sam Raimi's first Spider-Man was that for me. Yes. I loved how it was so um, funny and brisk and uh, dramatic and that it blended all of those camp factors together with this great coming-of-age story. Of course, I wasn't able to um, articulate that when I was, I don't know, 10 when I first saw this. <laughs> but I just really enjoyed this film, and I feel like it endeared me to the whole superhero genre as a whole. And I remember getting the DVD and watching it nonstop. And um, so Spider-Man, for me, was kind of that intro point 
uh, right. to the larger superhero genre. Of course, Batman is my, my number one boy um, and his Legion of Orphans. But Spider-Man was uh, kind of that tipping point that made me realize that superheroes were fun and that they could have fun in being a hero and that there was the tradition there's the coming of age and traditional drama and soap opera of it all that made it so fun uh, so uh enticing so that's my relationship to spider-man 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 and what about you willoughby Oh, my introduction to Spider-Man was with the television show, uh, the animated show um, from uh, 1994, which aired on, I'm looking it up now, I believe it aired on Fox Kids? Uh, Yes, it ran on Fox Kids in the mid-90s, and I watched that religiously. And it was great because it was sort of like the ability. I never really read the comic books. I never really read comic books as a kid. Um, what I did was when I was in the library in school, like we had like library day or library session where we can just go to the library and pick up books. I would pick out this Marvel comics and DC comics, like almost like an encyclopedia um, bef- where you could just like read through like who these characters were and who their villains were and like all that. So like a lot of my knowledge of superheroes before the internet was through these encyclopedias. So like I knew who Spider-Man was and then I watched the Fox kids animated show and it was so great because it like, you know, it adapted a lot of the comic book stories and because it was animated, it could do it like faithfully and, you know, like tell the story that, you know, and tell all these really great, stories and like you know it was monster of the week so it was like a new a new a new one of peter's villains but the 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 episodes were always like like it was, the arcs were always like three or four episodes long so you would get like you know lo- uh, you were able to like establish a, an actual story throughout through these 30 minute bites of of the tv show and so like i came to that I came to Spider-Man, Spider, Spider-Ramey, um, I came to uh, Sam Raimi's Spider-Man movie with, like, the foreknowledge of, like, I like the Spider-Guy already, I want to see him, you know, sling some webs in live action, and so, like, it was really fun, and Spider-Man also has the, um, it was the first PG-13 movie I ever saw without parental guidance, um, because <gasps> my, the, oh, no. my, my next-door neighbor, and, uh, uh, invited me to go see Spider-Man and his like uh, like 17 year old sister like took us and like she went to go see another movie and it was just the two of us watching Spider-Man and I'll never forget like the like I didn't know who Sam Raimi was at you know when I was what 10 years old not even so like I didn't know that Sam Raimi was like a horror director in the past so I was like why is there all these jump scares in the Spider-Man movie and like uh the the um like the burning building uh with Green Goblin pretending to be an old lady lady like still like forever freaks me out um and like him knocking Spider-Man out and like scaring him awake uh, and like they're talking on the roof, and, and Green Goblin's like, "Hey, Peter, we should be friends." And Spider-Man's like, "No, I'll never trust you." Not in those terms, but you know, I the love general just reenactment of Spider-Man right now. <laughs> yeah, um, I do. I do appreciate that Willem Dafoe, when he's the Green Goblin, puts on like a, a thick New York accent, <laughs> even though <laughs> like Norman Osborn does not have that. Like, it's so good. It's very um, Jekyll and so Hyde. Great. It makes sense. Yeah. Well, uh, that's yeah. the one note Sam Raimi gave. Willem Dafoe. That makes sense. That makes and, like, sense. he gave him the note. He would, like, think of your character as Jekyll and Hyde, and that's what Willem Dafoe, like, went with when he played Norman Osborn. God, Willem mm-hmm. Dafoe was so just great in that role. Nothing really can live up to that in terms of Spider-Man villains. Well, maybe um, Doc Ock, but... Hold on, Doc Ock. Ock. All right. Willem Dafoe is second only. Only. Second only to Doc Ock. To Doc Ock. Second like only to the Sandman um no so so I I, mean, for, I think you guys and I also Venom. played um I also played with like the action figures so like I developed I had like, like a lot of like you know as a kid like toys and Spider-Man was one of them and I had the like traditional blue and red um suit and also the red and black suit which like was never really like a thing in the tv show so like I didn't know I thought it was like oh a cool variant like action figure 
um, even though it was like it was like the same exact like action figure model, just like in black and red. And then I and then like I you know turns out like you know the black and red costume was like is also like a pretty iconic Spider-Man costume in the comics and stuff. And I was like, oh, that's cool. Um, and it's cool that in Far From Home we see that depicted, um, which we never really got to see before in uh, any of the other uh, Spider-Man live action films. Um, and yeah, so like the Raimi films were great. I will defend a little bit of the amazing Spider-Man. Um, I will say that like the Gwen Stacy, Peter Parker, like rom-com-ness of it all was like their chemistry um, sort of like overpowers the script and anything else in that movie. Um, and also the uh, uh, crane swinging scene. Uh, I, will, I will always tear up at that. Um, I watched it earlier today in preparation for the podcast. Uh, like, that, but the, the rest of the movie is pretty, pretty bad. Um, even though, like, everyone who's in that movie is really is like a great actor. It's just, you know, oh boy. And then, oh, don't get me started on Amazing Spider-Man Two, uh, in I which they try to develop Spider Verse. I never saw it either. You've never seen the Amazing Spider-Man no. Two? No, because oh, this Amazing Spider-Man oh. One was so bad, and I was like, I'm not oh. watching anymore. Well, let me, let me, let me tell you. Uh, I remember, I remember going to the theater. Um, and then I remember coming out of the theater and that's kind of it. Oh, no. Um, no, and, no, I remember the movie. It's bad. Um, uh, your, your best, your, uh, uh, your dude, Dane DeHaan, uh, is basically, uh, they take his already goblin-esque features and accentuate him even more when he, when they, when the, go- when he t- puts on the, like, green goblin super suit and it enhances his, it's supposed to like fix his like blood poisoning or whatever the fuck. Um, and it just makes it turns crazy and also looks like an actual goblin. Um, and that's bad. Uh, the, the fact that there's like half the trailers are, are foot are deleted scenes. So like they try to set up a sinister six and it just, it's bad. It's not great. Yeah, isn't there Jamie um, Foxx as a rhino? Yeah. Paul and Paul Giamatti as the rhino. They don't show up in the movie at all. He, uh, the center, no, it shows. Uh, I guess Norman Osborn has like you know like a like a like a person like a hand like a not like a servant, but I guess he's like the bodyguard or like the, like his manservant or whatever. And he's like, um, uh, he like walks through the, a secret Oscorp facility with like like a, a vulture suit and an octopus suit and like you're like oh i see what you're trying to do but and they were supposed to do a sinister six movie but like the rhino shows up at the very end with his rhino suit and it ends with him about to fight spider-man oh boy this movie's bad guys but i saw it and i was like andrew garfield's really good in a really shitty movie um Always. and then That's... yeah so like i've i've always been like i'll i'll like watch any of the movies that come out i played the video game and that's excellent so like i've i've been watching spider-man for a while um i didn't i didn't really appreciate it as a kid like i think he was just like there but growing now i'm like reflecting i'm like oh yeah spider-man was like a huge part of my childhood and i don't know why i don't like i i need to like read the actual comics and stuff um but yeah spider-man's great um so we've we've been sort of dancing around the movies and talking about how like their relationship to us because a lot of a lot of us have come into these movies so why don't why don't we just why don't we start with with the uh, sam raimi sam raimi sam raimi his films sam raimi so guys anya guys, and i guys. will staunchly defend the sam raimi spider-man movies as forever there's, the there's, best there's Spider-Man a lot to defend because they're really good the best spider-man <laughs> movie and i just need to say that I've only grown to love them more as I've fallen in love with Sam Raimi. My roommate and I have a list in our house of the unproblematic straight white men we stand. And Sam Raimi is at the very top of that is list. Is Sam Raimi really at the top of that? I've, that actually kind of surprises me. I mean, pleasantly um, so. But... Sam Raimi's oh. at the top of our list, followed only by Bruce Campbell. Um, <laughs> because we scream about Sam and Bruce a lot. Um, and their friendship and everything they do. Um, and I have fallen so much more in love with Sam since I've gotten into horror and like Evil Dead's become my favorite horror franchise and things like that. But I've, you know, known Sam since I was a kid, like of his work. Um, and 
like, first off, his, his Spider-Man films are just so much fun. And they have, like, I feel like the best spirit and the best energy, um, especially with the Peter Parker character specifically. But I will say, Willoughby, your comment about horror, I rewatched the first Spider-Man movie recently, and A, it completely holds up. Um, Take that, the Storm podcast. Yes, yeah, Storm know, podcast. We know, I saw you guys tweeting about how the Sam Raimi Spider-Man is actually bad. It's not actually bad. It's, it's actually great, great, and you're wrong. It's great. And, like I was saying, I have fallen more in love with it now that I know Sam Raimi's horror background and have seen some of his horror works, because... Now those, like, jump scares and stuff and, like, the goblin is, like, as the old lady in the burning building, like, it's so inherently Sam Raimi and I love that about him and I love that he, you know, put himself into this film and it still works. Like, the horror-esque elements completely work and, like, that final battle between uh, Spidey and the Green Goblin, like, it's horrifying and scary and emotional and rot and I just think it's so good and... God, like, those films are so great. Like, I feel like Sam just put his whole heart into them. What I love about Sam Raimi's Spider-Man movies is the melodrama of it all. Because we talk about the camp and the coming-of-age uh, factors, but the fact that this these movies are kind of have, like, these almost te- these teen soap elements uh, that feel very classically melodramatic in, like, that cinematic sense. It makes it feel much more epic and sweeping. And yet, it fits so well with this superhero genre. I feel like the Sam Raimi Spider-Man movies both don't take themselves too seriously. Like, they know that they're a comic book movie, and they know that they can have fun with it. But at the same time, they don't try to undercut the more important and sincere moments with glib jokes or, you know, meta meta commentary or something. Um, Right, like, there's never, like, a line about, like, oh... Yellow tights, <laughs> yeah, exactly. uh, like they do in the uh, in the X Men movie. It's like it's like they very much talk about like they, like there's not even like a oh, like a, a doubt that Spider Man's costume yeah. is like tights, you know? Exactly, and it feels the most comic booky in that sense, and also in terms of just like that undercutting with those glib comments. I am referring a lot to the modern Marvel films and how they really like to undercut a dramatic emotional moment with a joke and it works for the most part but it does take away some of the magic that the superhero genre holds for me and that Sam Raimi's Spider-Man movies hold for me specifically um there's a great essay video essay I can't remember who wrote it who did it because I'm just it was about Wonder Woman and um how it's good to be cheesy and there's a comparison between Sam Raimi's Spider-Man 2 and Doctor Strange and how we see the moment, uh, the hero moment in Spider-Man 2, how he decides to um, go back to the superhero life and it's something that's played straight and it's so dramatic and it's so emotionally resonant. And then you see a, a similar moment in Doctor Strange where he puts on the cape and he looks in the mirror and he has that similar... He has that similar um, uh, hero moment, and then it's undercut by the cape, you know, poking fun at him and prodding at him, and it's like, oh, it's undercut with a joke. And I feel like that is what the Sam Raimi Spider-Man movies have nailed so brilliantly, and that a movie hasn't really done well since, except for maybe Shazam, even though I know that Arnie's going to hate me for saying that. <laughs> it doesn't, but you can think that. I think it. <laughs> Shazam is also directed by a horror director. There's like a Sam Raimi set the tone mm-hmm. in terms of like all these horror directors who are now doing like the big budget superhero movies. Like it's a yeah, pattern. but I will I will defend Sam Raimi and Scott Derrickson over what's his face who directed Shazam any day. Jeff Sandberg. <laughs> it's fine. I they, will disagree Sam Raimi and Scott Derrickson you. know how to take horror elements and turn it into like a family friendly superhero film and make it work. Okay. We will have a conversation another day. <laughs> Anya, we're agreeing about Sam Raimi's Spider-Man movies yeah, right let's now. let's talk about Sam Raimi. <laughs> I'll put away, Web. So, Anya, can you tell me, like, other than your love for Sam Raimi, why the Sam Raimi Spider-Man movies work so well with you? It's, it's so many things. But I think, you know, it's the heart um, that really gets to me. It's, it's the earnestness. Um... And I think you see it a lot with Tobey Maguire's performance. Tobey Maguire is so good in this role, you guys. 
Like he really is. He's so adorable. And you could see how exciting it was for him. Um, and you know, it just, it feels classic. Like the movies just kind of have that feel to it of like, it, it almost really does feel like Sam Raimi sort of captured lightning in a bottle before the MCU was a thing that existed. And I think it's aided by the fact that a lot of the film is shot on sets. Mm-hmm. Um, and that kind of lends almost an artifice to it, but at the same time makes it feel very timeless. Yes. And yes. I like and that it, feeling. Right. It just, it feels like a movie. Yes. In a way that I feel like the MCU films, they've sort of tried to like transcend, like we're a movie, like we are, we are bigger than that. But like mm-hmm. Spider-Man does, it feels like just an old school movie. Mm-hmm. And I love that. And I think Sam Raimi, I think he really threaded the needle really well by like continuing that through multiple films. You know, we mentioned, I think Alfred Molina as Doc Ock is the best on-screen Spider-Man villain we have ever seen. Yes. Like, you Bar know. none. Bar none, Alfred Molina's Doc Ock is so beautiful and tragic. So and tragic. He's the he's Shakespearean level tragic. And he is, Alfred Molina he is. does such a great job with that role. Oh, such oh a great God. job. Even like when he later on you know does his full fledged villain turn, there is like glimpses of of sympathy underneath it. Like when he's having conversations with the claws and it's Alfred Molina having a conversation with the claw. And yet it's just so tragic in the way that he does it. It's it. Well, that's the thing is like that kind of like uh, you paint that picture Mm -hmm. right now in just words. And it sounds ridiculous, but the way that Sam Raimi directs it, the way he directs Alfred Molina, the way Alfred Molina performs, they really make it, real and emotional and take a ridiculous like concept and really elevate it and make it work and i shocked willoughby before we started recording with this but i will even defend sam raimi's venom because Uh, so no why because because the reason sam raimi depicted the venom depicted Venom the way he did is because Sam Raimi did not want to put Venom in Spider-Man 3. Sam Raimi had a plan for Spider-Man 3 and Sony came in and said no, you have to do Venom and so Sam Raimi's response was like, alright, you want Venom? I'll give you fucking Venom and that's what we got because it was a giant F you to Sony and it was great and also Venom is a ridiculous character and so actually the fact that like Sam Raimi sort of undercut him and like made him ridiculous, like in a laugh at him way. I thought was brilliant. Okay, um, Anya, I want you to give a defense of Spider Man Three because you, you you were saying before the podcast that you don't think it's as bad as it's been painted. Oh, I mean, I think it's bad. Mm-hmm. Let me put it this way: I will defend Sam Raimi. Okay, I will not defend Spider Man Three because I think it's bad. But I think a lot of that had to do with the demand Sony put on Sam Raimi after seeing the success of Spider-Man 1 and 2, they let Sam Raimi, they trusted Sam Raimi with 1 and 2. Sam Raimi was able to do his own thing. Once they saw the success of that and they were like, oh my God, like we have this like great big thing on our hands and how Spider-Man 2 was even more acclaimed than Spider-Man, you know, they came in and they were like, okay, we need to like harness this and make it, you know, this, thing that no one's ever seen before. And I feel like what they did is they just took a lot of the trust away from Sam Raimi and let him do his own thing. And so in response, Sam Raimi created Spider-Man 3, which is not a good film, but I think it was a brilliant screw you move mm-hmm. by Sam Raimi. So you're um, saying that he changed his own film. Yes. I think Sam Ra- I think Sam Raimi like deliberately tanked his own film to screw it's Sony. So, At least, it's a brilliant troll move now, because what there's so many parts of the movie where it Spider-Man feels like 3. deliberately bad. At least especially the Venom stuff. Like that I know for sure because he's talked about how he didn't want Venom in the film. Yeah. That I know for sure he did the way he did on purpose. But like, yeah, I bet. I mean, even like, um, what is it? Hayden Christian Church? Is that his Hayden name? Hayden Christian Church, yes. Who played Sandman in that? Like, Hayden Church. That's his name. What is it? Thomas Hayden Church. Thomas Hayden, Hayden Christian. What? what? Hayden <laughs> is Hayden Christensen in a church? <laughs> I'm 
I always forget his name. I know like Hayden's in there somewhere. <laughs> Thomas Hayden Church. Hey guys, guess what? The the two stars of Sideways are in the worst Spider-Man film. <laughs> what? Hey, what's up with that? Paul Giamatti. Paul Giamatti and who? Thomas Hayden Church. Thomas Hayden. Oh my God! I didn't. Oh my God! He's I forgot he was in Sideways. The oh best villain in all these movies. Yeah. Well, and you know what? I will also defend him a little. I think Sandman had the potential to be just as tragic and emotionally oh, deep let me as tell you. I fast forward through those scenes every time I rewatch that film. No, no, no. I agree. They're awful. I'm saying that he had the potential to be as tragic as Doc Ock. Like. And Thomas Hayden Church actually recently did an interview and talked about this, about how he is still, like, he doesn't regret doing that movie, and it didn't turn out the way he wanted it to, and how the way, like, he and Sam Raimi had talked about with, like, the character that he played as a father. Um, And so, again, I feel like Spider-Man 3 is objectively terrible, but I think, similar to Andrew Garfield's Spider-Man, is a victim of its circumstances and the powers that be you know, making decisions that are not in, like, the character and, like, creative storytelling's best interests. It's so interesting how Sony has bitten themselves in the foot, or shot themselves in the foot so many times with the Spider-Man franchise. Themselves on the wrist? Or bit themselves (laughs) on the wrist, maybe, yeah. Because they have, um, with their partnership with great auteurs and directors, they have uh, delivered some of the best superhero movies ever. And they've also delivered some of the worst. And that's just fascinating to me, like, that seesawing in terms of, like, when they see something goes well. Yeah. And when they see something goes well, they're like, we want more of that, but make it worse. (laughs) But, yeah, but, like, don't put your own creative spin on it. Um, And we'll we'll get into the Andrew Garfield ones and how they ruined that one, too. Um, But but before we do... What do you think of the Sam Raimi films? Well, the first two are great. Like, I, I I will watch those all the time. The Spider-Man Two is the first Spider-Man Two is really really good. Um, Doc Ock is incredible. The train sequence is still like yes. some of the like the whole from the clock tower to the end of the Bay Ridge like you know train. It's all incredible. Like you can't not like be in awe of the fact that you know in two thousand and four I guess that movie came out. Those mo- those like the effects are so good the fact that there's like the that like you know the the suits are real um the octopus arms are a combination of computer generated um computer generation and as well as practical robot and puppet arms like and the blend of that is so good alfred molina is really good um there is so much about that movie to love and the first movie is really like I, I always like the movies that aren't origin stories more because I like the idea of having a character like, a, a, an established you, you know set of rules and world and character and I like I want to see a Spider-Man story and but I still love the first Spider-Man on nostalgia factor as well as it's, it's well written and you know the everything like it de- it it develops coherently it's like. It's a one. It's no wonder it's the first movie to ever break a hundred million dollars at the box office. Um, like there's, it's it was so powerfully done, even though it's, as you guys say, incredibly campy. Like it is, it, but like, but intentionally so. Yeah. It's. I mean, yes. Um, at like, the time, I campy I is not an even, even though campy is a plus. Yeah. Sure. When, when you when you can nail campy in like a good way in a good creative way, like mm-hmm. that's great, and that's what Sam Raimi does best. Yes. Did that. Um, and Doc Ock, I mean, it's, and Spider-Man 2, you know, is more of that and more and, and, and like, well done. It's very operatic mm-hmm. um, when, you know, you, you can't it's you can't not say it's melodramatic without um, without having to rectify that. The fact that one of the characters says, I have the power of the sun in the palms of my hands as he, he's got eight. He's got four octopus metal arms you know, controlling nuclear fission and, and creating, like, a small sun in, you know, like, some warehouse on the docks. Like, it's incredible. This movie's ridiculous, and I love it. Um, and then Spider-Man 3 is a film, uh, <laughs> technically. Um, yeah. <laughs> I do not like Spider-Man 3, even though, Anya, you are putting up a good defense that, that uh, 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 Sam Raimi didn't want to play ball, and he tanked his own film. 
but I really, I can't, I can't, I, I can't stand I mean, it's behind a bad film. it. Yeah. It is a bad film, and I can't, you know, like, even if I knew, even if, you know, Sam Raimi intentionally tanked his own film, like, I think that the benefit of having an audience appreciate your film outweighs the, the outweighs the Sony executives breathing down your neck. I don't know. It's just me. Um, it's a lot of money for a big joke. So, yeah. Like, I don't know. It just, I, it doesn't seem worth it. You know? I mean, maybe the conspiracy of him thinking the whole film is, like, not true. Like, I'm sure he tried to salvage what he can. I was going to say, he, like, what like, he could. You can't, say, you can't say that, you can't say that Venom is the only bad part of that movie. <laughs> no, 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 of course not. It's just, I know Venom is the only part, I know for a fact Venom is the only part that was intentionally done the way it was done. Like, Sam Raimi knew he was like mocking the character and knew he was going to piss off fans of Venom. I don't know about the rest of the film, how, what that was all about, but I know for a fact that Venom was a source of contention and that Sam Raimi, you know, depicted him on purpose the way he did. Right. I feel bad for Cover Grace. Yeah. He really <laughs> didn't have a career after that. Yeah. Didn't he? Um, hey, he played um, David Duke. He's fine. He was pretty good in that actually. Yeah. Black I Hansman. mean, he was, he was also in Interstellar. Um, oh yeah, I forgot. He he's like the boyfriend to Murph. Uh, no, 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 so no, I can't. I I just the dancing, the the goth emo ness of it all. It's just I don't know. It's not great, Bob. It's it's a bad. Bait. The only thing that I despise about Spider-Man Three is the fact that it tainted everyone for the Sam Raimi films, and now. Agreed. No, see, it didn't for me. No, I know, but I, not you, I, but like, like everyone in general. They're like, oh yeah, Spider-Man Three is horrible. I have never met anybody who disagree, who 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 uh like who's reevaluated the trilogy based on just the third film. Mm. I, everyone I always talk to is always like, Spider-Man Two is the greatest superhero of all time. Like, I don't know, uh, probably I don't know. Well, before we move on to the Andrew Garfield Spider-Man movies, though, I do want to say Spider-Man Two the best spider-man movie yeah it's also right. it's the best spider-man too yes that is very true <laughs> we've had three spider-man twos now all right it is and it is the best so i, I don't want to spend too much time on andrew garfield because mm-hmm. i feel like these movies are kind of nothing but i think we mentioned it before but i think andrew garfield is a good peter parker and i think it was the fact that they were badly directed, and I think the fact that, like, they came at an awkward time, like, they only, like Sony only made them not to lose the IP, mm-hmm. and so there was no, like, like uh, heartfelt intention behind those films. If Spider-Man 3 was a result of studio interference, the Amazing Spider-Man series are an entire concoction of the studio. It feels, they feel very much like they're tailor-made by a studio executive, like, table, and basically were made in a formula, as a formula, being like, oh, this is what Spider-Man is, I guess, and this is what we should include, this many villains, this, this is the kind of um, actor we should cast, and uh, they just kind of threw it all into a blender, and it did not turn out well. Nope. Not even a little bit. But yes, I Andrew agree with Garfield's you that... Andrew Garfield's really good, though. Yeah, I agree with you. Andrew Garfield's great. Emma Stone is great. They have such good chemistry, and it barely keeps the the films going um it does help that they were dating in real life so it has some of that uh real life chemistry going for it i think andrew garfield actually for me was a better spider-man than he was a peter parker i didn't Mm -hmm. i wasn't a big i wasn't very fond of his peter parker it was just he's too dour and i I liked his quippy spider-man which i think was missing from the toby Maguire spider-man but i didn't like how like angsty he was as peter parker like get over yourself i know that you are a nerd or whatever and you're outcast but you also look like andrew garfield and you have gorgeous hair and you skateboard why are you a nerd again yeah there's that he's quippy and thwippy Mm -hmm. i like that yes uh yeah no those movies are bad they're they're not good uh but andrew garfield is the best part of both of those films i will say yeah like when he's spider-man he's like quippy and great and like he does everything that a spider-man could <laughs> uh, um but yeah i will uh the, 
Yeah, the only the only like saving grace to me is the chemistry between Gwen Stacy and Peter Parker, as and the uh, um, the the uh, crane swinging scene where the New Yorkers are, are saving Spider Man. Uh, New Yorkers are New, New Yorkers helping Spidey are always the best parts of the, these movies. They really are. <laughs> so Spider Man Two is so great. Ugh, yeah, Spider Man Two is so good, guys. I love it. Um, I know Anya, you haven't seen Spider Man Far From Home yet. I've not. Um, and I will say that it touches on some themes that Spider-Man 2 touches on. The whole Yay. existential crisis. But it only makes it more apparent how good Spider-Man 2 is. Because I'm okay with that. Quite as well. Even I'm okay I, with I, that. I, I, even though I liked Spider-Man from Far From Home and had there were, some, there were a lot of things I liked about it. But before we go into Far From Home, of course, which we won't go into detail because, again, Anya has not seen it yet. Let's move on from the Andrew Garfield movies. Um... Yeah, let's talk about the Tom Holland movies first before we talk about Spider Verse because yeah. Homecoming came out before Spider Verse. Yeah, let's talk about We've Tom also Holland in general. Spider Verse on our on our review of Spider Man Into the Spider Verse in December. About the Tom Holland Spider Man movies. Tom Holland, who still should not have been in Civil War. There, I said it. I it still makes zero sense. There is no reason Spider Man should be in that movie. It is a terrible decision by Tony Stark, and I think Tom Holland is a cutie. I think he's adorable in that scene, and he's fun and quippy. He should not have been in that movie. The only reason he's in that movie is to introduce him, and it made zero plot sense. Yes, I agree. Yeah, but he's really cool holding Cap's shield. He is, I it's will say. It's really cool to see him go, hey, guys. I'm so charmed by Tom Holland. <laughs> and what I do like about him is that he combines that goofy sincerity of the Tobey Maguire Spider-Man with the quippiness of the Andrew Garfield Spider-Man and he does, that makes him a really good Peter Parker slash Spider-Man. Yes. And the anxiety of a modern teen. And the anxiety of a modern teen. <laughs> I will honestly say, even though I love, love Sam Raimi movies, Tom Holland is probably a step above um, Tobey Maguire for me. because yeah. Just because he has all of those great elements and he is just such an energizer rabbit of, of a person. And a personality. And the fact that he, like, is, like, a gymnast. I don't know. There's just, like, an authenticity to him as mm-hmm. Peter Parker that I feel like Toby even, like, Andrew Andrew Garfield, like, Toby tried. Man. Yeah. But. They're still adults playing a teen, which is why yes. I think they weren't yeah. able to nail it as well. Tom Holland, Tom Holland, like, is technically 23, but he's not. Like, in my mind, like. He's, like, 13. He's, like, yeah. He's, he's a got, baby boy. He's, he's got, He's got the body of a Spider-Man, if that makes any sense. Like, <laughs> like most That's people be like, oh, he's got the body of a gymnast, or he's like the body of a dancer. Like, no, he's got the body of a Spider-Man. Like, he's very like compact, very light, but also like incredibly lean, and the ability to like, you know, you feasibly like he apparently in his in his screen test with Captain America, he did a backflip, and Chris Evans didn't know he was gonna do a backflip, and he just did one. Like, <laughs> That's Tom so Holland fun. is. Tom Holland, Tom Holland is Peter Parker. He like, really is. Yeah. Like, he, like, he is the physical manifestation of Stan Lee's dreams. Like, it's kind of incredible. Yes. Yeah. And that's what I think the um, Sony Marvel Spider-Man movies really have going for it, is that they have such a star in Tom Holland as Spider-Man. He, it really, he just is Peter Parker slash Spider-Man. He doesn't have to act at all. Um, and he's so charming um, and enjoyable to watch and i actually i did like spider-man homecoming quite a bit i loved the fact that they went more low-key with it and mm. were able to tell a more intimate personal story through the lens of a john hughes teen movie and that was really refreshing it's a friendly neighborhood spider-man yeah that was really refreshing Literally. and fun for me and even when they take him out of that you know manhattan neighborhood and put him in a suburban yeah, like the suburban uh uh area where he's trying to swing and then falls that was so fun and hilarious oh yeah that's always really good yeah um i i appreciated the fact that you know you, we see an early spider-man who is not ready to you know s- uh scale the empire state building because mm-hmm. in homecoming when he gets to the top of the washington monument he goes this is the highest i've ever been and the Washington Monument is only 555 feet, high. which is not very tall for a New York skyscraper, which means that yeah. Tom Spider-Man has only been chilling in Queens and not going downtown to Midtown. Yeah. Queens and, like, is not, not very high, yeah. <laughs> yeah, um, I, think, um, I think you kind of nailed it, HT, in that I think the Tom Holland movies, and again, I haven't seen Far From Home, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to presume 
it does the same things that I liked about Homecoming. Um, it does that I think... things, but also it takes it on a bigger scale, which I have yeah. my own issues with. Well, so that's interesting, because I was going to say, I think the Tom Holland Spider-Man films are not my favorite superhero films in the world, but I think they are some really great teen fil- films. Oh, and so maybe the, the bigger... these movies are so good. Like, yeah. it's right, a... so maybe the bigger scale... 100% agree. As well, because, like, part of what makes Homecoming so good is, again, that smaller scale you talked about, and, like, Zendaya, and the relationship between Peter and... MJ? MJ. Oh, no, Ned. 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 And that whole, their whole dynamic, and the school dynamic, and I think that's what makes, like, Homecoming, for me, is still, like, I like that it's small scale, but it's still way too long. Um, They gave Peter Parker a best friend. Which is... I mean, he ha- he's always had a best friend. His name is Harry Osborn. Yeah, but Harry always turned into the villain. Like, but that's I mean, so tragic. Yeah, like, yeah, I mean, Harry... No, thank you. I want a guy in the chair. I mean, I get that, but I'm just saying, like, can we not discount Harry Osborn and his importance to Peter Parker? Um, yes. But yeah, so I, I think, I think the, these movies are really good because of its, like chemistry between the teens and like how fun it is to watch like a teen romp Mm -hmm. that just happens to be set in a superhero film yeah Um, yeah um... i will say like it's no spoilers for far from home to say that they are far from home what what i liked about the movie is that it felt like and i we i know we have our criticisms with the mcu that it all feels like a tv season but what i really appreciated about what this what far from home did was it felt like one of those like high school sitcoms where the season finale is the kids are inexplicably all on the same trip like going like you know like you know going on the same like school trip and shenanigans ensue on this like high school trip and you know they're you know they they you know they're part of the action and all that stuff like it was really fun to see that like kind of be like you know you know, in a Spider-Man movie where like the kids are all the other kids in the in the in the school are still impo- important. Like it wasn't just Peter Parker's taking a vacation. Like no, it's everyone's taking a vacation, and it really felt like one of those like oh these kids that you know are like transported into a different place and shenanigans. It's a vacation um, episode. Yeah, it's so, a vacation episode. It's so yeah. Cool. So let me harder. ask you guys real quick. I have one question for you about Far From Home. Yeah. Does Jake Gyllenhaal's Mysterio? who starts out as a friendly figure to Spider-Man, does he even hold a candle to Alfred Molina's Doc Ock? No, definitely not. Although... Because that's because the Mysterio starts out as, like, an ally, but is actually the villain. Although I enjoy... I really enjoy Jake Gyllenhaal's performance. I mean, Jake Gyllenhaal's perfect in everything. He he kind of dips into his... Uh, no, I'll just say it's not the same thing as what happened to Doc Ock. No, no, and I know Doc Ock is like inherently more tragic, but like the idea of someone who is like a good force in Peter's life, quote unquote. Mm-hmm. Um, no, I like I, I well, what what they do with that is really interesting and really good because it is sort of and mild spoilers. Mysterio is a villain. They do a really That's good not job. Mild spoilers. He's one of Spider-Man's biggest he, films. I know. Ever, yeah, but they're you know the the po- teasers and stuff they're not mm-hmm. spoiling that what i say what i will say is that it's a good lesson in betrayal the movie is a good lesson for peter parker to learn about betrayal so i'm gonna guess that instead of like doc ock's slow transformation into a villain which makes it tragic mysterio has been a villain since the beginning and is just gonna betray Anya, all right we're not gonna talk about this anymore <laughs> I wanna know. but we are gonna say that jake gyllenhaal performance is phenomenal because he dips a little bit into his okja and his like manic performances in Okja and Nightcrawler bag, and I he's really surprisingly manic in this movie. He's very manic and a little oh, bit manic psychotic, and I absolutely love that. Manic Jake Gyllenhaal is like probably one of like peak Jake Gyllenhaal's. Mm-hmm. Like yeah, yeah. If he is like if we think of Jake Gyllenhaal as having multiple personalities, which he definitely does. Yeah, manic is one of my favorites. I will say I think that the villains in um, Spider the Spider Man Home series home series homecoming far from home have been pretty strong uh michael keaton is great he has that sort of blue collar um like relevance to him that ties it to the current you know landscape and he also has that sympathetic quality but is um 
you know, is great as a villain. He's just, I love that turn in um, Homecoming is one of my favorites uh, of recent superhero movies. The reveal, movies. Mm-hmm. the reveal of who Liz Allen's dad is, who is Michael Keaton, is still like one of the most shocking things I've ever experienced in a movie theater. Um, and it was like you could you could hear a pin drop in the mm-hmm. in the audience because like everyone was like. <gasps> It was so good. Um, and yeah, he, he was, like him, he, like that scene between him and Peter in the car is like all time. Oh, so good! It's so good. And, like in terms of the MCU, like a scene between two actors just acting. Oh, it's the best. Agreed. I think that yeah, Michael Keaton and Jake Gyllenhaal both are top contenders for great some of the best uh, Marvel villains, honestly, MCU villains. Um, And, but I don't, I don't think that Mysterio has, Mysterio has quite the personal connection that Vulture has. Um, His is more tied to the big issue that I have with the Spider-Man Holmes movies. His is more tied to Tony Stark, as is the kind of themes of Spider-Man Far From Home. It's very connected to Tony Stark and Iron Man's legacy. And that's a big issue I have with these movies is that the way that we're introduced to Spider-Man is through Tony Stark. We see him first in Civil War, which is something that Anya really hates. And um, one of the reasons I also dislike that is because it shows Tony Stark basically giving Peter Parker like all of his equipment, all of his tech. And he feels very much like an extension of Iron Man in that sense. And he doesn't feel like that friendly neighborhood Spider-Man anymore. He's not something that is scrappy and comes up from him, for himself. It's something that's been kind of given to him, which is something is I, that something I feel that the movie? Of, but that's also, that, that's the lesson of Homecoming, is that he, get, he, he learns to be Spider-Man without yeah, the suit. Yeah, but then Far From Home kind of ties him even closer to Iron Man's legacy. Well, so here's my question is, I think this actually, like, the way you're spinning this, again, having not seen Far From Home, mm-hmm. that sounds like a really great arc slash theme of, like, Peter struggling with that and realizing how to, like, establish his own identity outside of Tony. Mm-hmm. My question is, does Far, does Far From Home, in your opinion, not do that? It actually does make that a central sort of conflict for Peter. It ties it in with his, his usual Spider-Man existential crisis, which I thought was interesting. But at the same time, it still kind of sets him up in the way of being Iron Man's heir, which I, you know, I have my issues with. It makes sense because Tony Stark is that mentor and that idol uh, for Peter Parker in this realm. Um, but it, it's, it's something that I've always kind of taken issue with, I guess, even though it makes sense and the way that Far From Home does it, does, like, they do, do, they do it well. I do not have the same issues that HD has about that. Yeah. I appreciate the mentee-mentor relationship between Tony Stark and Peter Parker. I think that it's done well in these movies, and I like that they do reckon with Tony's legacy. I wouldn't say in a Dumbledore sort of way, like in, in like in Deathly Hallows, um, where like you know who we thought of Tony Stark is completely undercut by the you know the revel you know whatever. But like they do reckon with Tony as like more less of a person and more as a as more of just his legacy um, and like what he contributed and and for good and for ill um, and I appreciated that Far From Home deals with that in a very upfront way. Mm. Um, and yeah, this is a good coda to Avengers Endgame. Yeah, and Peter is you know the struggle for Peter in this movie is to establish himself for himself like yeah. you know he is he does sort of want to you know he a lot of people are like are you the next iron man like are you an avenger and he's like like there's a there's a scene at the beginning where like people are asking questions and he's like does anybody have any neighborhood questions like he doesn't want to be the you know a, a big timer because he learned that lesson in homecoming and he wants to be like on the streets and helping you know people like actual like citizens of new york you know help them out and but they're like, no, you saved the planet, so now you're, you know, you have to save the planet again, um, and that's sort of what he's trying to reckon with is like he wants to be the little guy on the street, mm. but the world doesn't want him to be that. And so I, I think, think that's a really fascinating. Ma- read. I think the way that you talk about it makes sense. I do think that Peter's arc in these two movies have been a little all over the place, um, and like it does, you know, Marvel like the 
writers of the movie do tie it in well together. It's just my own personal issue with Tony Stark being so closely tied to Spider-Man and like his whole Spider-Man persona. So that's sure. just me. <laughs> that is fair. I like I liked at the end of Homecoming, he's in his own uh, his own suit, the one he made. That's always that's really good. Um, so those are those are the, the Spider-Man movies. Uh, the game's I mean, good. HT, have you played the game? I played like an hour of the game. Okay. I wanted to just like um, we're probably gonna wrap this episode up, but I didn't want to say just at the end like we've talked about Spider Verse. It is brilliant. Yes. But so, also oh, yeah. shout out to the game. The game is so fun. It's such a great world building experience and like lived in world. I've played it through once and I'm playing it again now. Like I'm starting another game and it's just it's so good mm-hmm. the gameplay the how detailed it is how expansive it is it's man one of my favorite games since i've gotten a ps4 agreed yeah uh it's it's it you know the, the experience of of web sw- swinging is unreal like the fact that they nailed it they nailed it to an extent where i'm like i'm you know i have to like look away to be like i'm not in this world right now like i am it's like weirdly disconcerting because like they they do such a good job of in of like enveloping you into the world um i like when you jump off high places the music swells um like literally like it's designed to like the music to swell when you like jump off from a high point um and that's always really fun uh and like there's a lot of like marvel easter eggs in this version you know it's because it's not just spider-man's new york it's marvel's new york so it's that's really fun um I like that one of the first things you have to do is find all 55 uh, backpacks that Peter Parker has lost over the past eight years of being Spider-Man. Also, like, taking pictures of things to just give you, like, a layout of Manhattan and stuff and, like, help you figure out where things are. And, like, you get to take a picture of, like, Avengers Tower and, like, the Sanctum Sanctorum. And it's really fun. And the Embassy of Wakanda. And, like, there's a lot of cool, like, gadgets that you can do, but I never really do those because I'm like, I want to just beat up guys playing with these buttons and good old fists and webs. Uh, and also, Peter Parker's definitely killing these people. Don't let the video game developers tell you anything different. Uh, it's like, there are some neck, there are some like, neck, scra- uh, neck, neck cracks that cannot be walked away from. No, <laughs> no that is so true. But there's a, there's a really good Polygon video on YouTube where one of the Polygon uh, people, uh, Brian David Gilbert, it, he's like, uh, uh, the title is Spider-Man... PS4 Spider-Man is totally not killing people, but like the whole the whole video is him basically like recounting what you do as Spider-Man and like the slow realization that oh shit I think he's killing these people. It's a very good video. <laughs> but to end, Peter Parker does not kill people. Wink. Oh, did I say wink out loud? Oops. All right, I think that's a good way to wrap up our Spider-Man discussion. <laughs> Who doesn't kill people? Yes. Spider-Man. Spider-Man. I mean, Batman technically is also not supposed to. But he's definitely killed people. Wink. Wink. (laughs) Um, All right. Let's not get into the moral quandaries of of superheroes killing people. Yeah. uh, Moral quandaries aside, Spider-Man is a superhero that we all dearly love and that we will gladly go to see his newest movie, uh, Good or Not. Because he's played, he's been such a huge informative part of our lives. We're realizing yeah. that now. We grew up with Spider-Man. He we did. As my, as my girlfriend would say, Spider-Man is the most anime character. Oh my god, he really oh, is. No. He's the most anime superhero. That's Quote true. my girlfriend, Melissa. <laughs> and he's the superhero that basically changed the way that Marvel was able to operate. That street... Um, wise superhero who was who put their like personal who had flaws and personal baggage and that was put first above their superheroics spider-man yeah, yeah. <laughs> with that all right let's move on to the last segment of our episode i really 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 like you but i need to tell you something okay ruby why don't you start us off this week? What do you really like? Those Stranger Things kids are back, and they're older than they were last year. 
they're growing up, and so is the TV show. It's good still. Um, so yeah, season three came out uh, July fourth. I watched it all. It's more of what you expect from Stranger Things. Um, more of the same, which is for 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 good and for bad, I guess. Um, yeah. I you know there was a scene in the, in this in the show where the Back to Future. Back to the Future uh, theme song played, and I was like, oh, it still gets me. Like, the references and stuff. Like, it's clearly, like, I don't, I wouldn't say running on fumes, but there is not much story left to tell, I'd say. If, like, I don't know if they even should do a season four. I don't think there is a story for it. Um, which is not to, like, spoil season three or anything, but, like, season three is just, you know, sort of, like, a natural end of the show like it does a lot it ties up a lot of character arcs it does a really good job of with um forefronting our our, bo- our boy steve the hair harrington like and introduces uh, a new character a new friend for him at scoops ahoy i really love important. the mall shenanigans he's very important the mall, the mall shenanigans important. are the best part oh my god well, the mall, shenanigan- the mall shenanigans of the movie of the tv show is the best part um uh yeah, the kids are growing up and they're getting lent, they're getting awkward, and it's weird. Um, yeah, no, the the show's good. The show's it's it's like if you like Stranger Things, I think you'll like season three. There are some weird character developments, but otherwise, like I don't know, it, it you know it does what it it does what it does, and I'd be okay if there was no more Stranger Things, which is not to say I hate it. But like I don't know, you you see a show run its course, and you're just like, that makes sense. Also, when you take one of your most beloved characters and ruin them in a season, maybe it's time to walk away. Just saying. Yep. With that, yeah, Anya. I really like it, but it's also time for it to go. With that, Anya, what's your really like for this week? Well, luckily. I got to chime in about how great Robin is in Stranger Things season three. She's like the only thing that matters outside of Steve. Um, So since we already talked about her, the only thing that matters today and this whole week is the fact that today the U.S. women's national soccer team won their fourth World Cup title. Yes! Side note, they are still paid less than the men and the men have never won a World Cup or a gold medal at the Olympics. The women have done both. It's bullshit. But we won today our fourth World Cup title. We played the Netherlands. It was a hard-fought match. It was very exciting. I went to woke up at like 6 a.m. to go to a bar at 8 a.m. because the World Cup's in France this year. So it was very early for us here in California. And the bar was packed. It was full of this energy. It was very exciting. And I love that feeling of kind of like sharing something with a group of people like that. Um, and it was so exciting to see our team win. They are badasses. Um, my favorite player, Megan Rapino, who has been my favorite player for as long as I can remember. Um, she won two of the like highly coveted trophies in a world cup, which she won the golden boot and the golden ball. Um, and I'm just so proud of our women. They're badass. Um, and they need to get paid equally, actually probably more than the men. And, uh, they're not going to the fucking white house. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Um, my really like this week is a little horror movie called Midsommar. Or is it Midsummer? I think it's just Midsummer. Midsummer. Well, Midsummer. Unless you want, or you could be super pretentious and call it like Midsummer. <laughs> Anyways. Like you're from <laughs> this is Ari Aster's second film, this follow up to Hereditary. And it is so good this is an excruciating and excruciatingly beautiful film that is basically like watching a toxic relationship break up in real time and the way that it alludes to issues that are very real to many people in relationships and many millennials in general i feel like this was a movie made for almost like a younger audience someone who could recognize basically the fuck boys that these characters that inhabit this movie and um and uh not so subtly punish them on screen 
It's, it's great. It's cathartic, honestly. It's it really is. grisly. It's gruesome. But it almost is therapeutic in a way because it, I would say it's, it's kind of a happy ending. At least that's how I interpreted it. Interpreted it's a, it. I feel like it's a happy ending. It felt very similar to The Witch to me and how mm-hmm. The Witch ended. Yeah. Um, and honestly, Midsummer is the reason I haven't seen Far From Home yet because I prioritized seeing that this yes. weekend and I totally agree with you. I mean, beautiful fair. Film. It's a beautiful film. I really liked it. And it's something that has stuck with me and that the themes keep coming up with me and something that I keep thinking about. And I just really adored it. I've seen some criticisms coming up lately that it's shallow or not as, or a little hollow, but I disagree with that. I think that it works on almost a fable-like storytelling level. It reminds me a lot of just the fairy tales of old and like they're more... There are more um, dark elements in that, you know, fairy tales are at their core kind of horror stories. They are made to be cautionary tales against two women, um, against strangers or dark and deadly things, and um, often warning against, against some kind of boogeyman. In this case, it's warning against the boogeymen that are already in our lives and that have... Um, <laughs> Have, are basically in the forms of our bad boyfriends. And I really like that. And um, it's a, yeah, it's a great film. I absolutely enjoyed it. And um, it's already at the top of my favorite movies of 2019 so far list. So I, I probably will go down, honestly, because there's so many movies I haven't seen yet that I'm excited for. But I am in awe of it as of now. Completely agreed. <laughs> All right. Well, that is our episode. If anyone has any thoughts they want to share with us about Spider-Man, about Midsummer, Stranger Things, or if you guys are also soccer fans and excited about the U.S. women's uh, winning, then come chat with us about all those things and more. And where can they do that, Willoughby? You can find us on Facebook if you search for us there. We're also on Twitter at Falcon Podcast. Our blog is millennialfalconpodcast.wordpress.com and you could uh, rate, review, subscribe to us on iTunes and Google Play and SoundCloud. And where can they find you guys on the internet? You can find me at HFranBooey on Twitter. You can find me at Anya Crittenden on, Anya Crittenden on Twitter <laughs> crying about how funny and, Willoughby is all the time. And darn tootin' you can find me at Willoughby Dobbs on Twitter. Thanks. Get us pictures of Spider-Man. Bye! <laughs> Get us pictures of Spider-Man! <laughs>